1: All right. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to access at gmail.com. I want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. It was birthed out of the burden to help those in the community and congregations who've come out of a difficult past and addictive lifestyle. We are actually giving away uh, an away jersey, Quay Walker autographed um, Beckett style jersey I got the certificate of authenticity, all that stuff. And we're going to be giving that away to one lucky listener. All you got to do is go to my Twitter page at Packers underscore access. Click on the uh, tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. Just retweet that. Make sure you're following the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time. And also, if you'd like to enter yourself into the uh, contest multiple times and give to a good cause, you'll see Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministries link there attached to that tweet as well. For every $5 donated, you can uh, have yourself entered into that contest one additional time. So, with all that being said, we got a special podcast for you guys today—a little roundtable action—and we're gonna, we're basically gonna take an hour here and we're gonna fix the Packers' problem. We don't, I don't understand why the Packers organization is struggling so hard with fixing these things. We already know what to do; we're the experts, right? So <laughs> we're just gonna hop in here and, and uh, basically, somebody make sure you send this link to Mark Murphy, and we're good to go. So um, first of all, I just want to introduce everybody. We got JJ from uh, Cheese and Packers, so JJ Leahy. Howdy. Got- uh, Mr. Uh, Ryan Pack Daddy Schlipp. Uh, you know, the guy oh. that does like 17 podcast a day and my favorite being the, uh, I don't know, the political rant hotline that he's uh, got set up there <laughs> for Packernet uh, After Dark. And we've got a special guest <laughs> on today. Um, One of the listeners, uh, Mr. Thomas Austin. How you doing, Thomas? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Good. Good deal, man. All right. So let's do it. Let's just get right into it, guys. Um. You know, I sent a couple questions out to these these guys, and uh, we were just kind of throwing some ideas back and forth. And I think we would all agree it's not one specific thing that's wrong with the Packers, um, you know, with this uh, this 2022 season being down. However, there are a few things that stand out to me where it's like, man, that's, that is a, a glaring problem, right, staring us right in the face. So we're just going to kind of go around the room here and get everybody's take. And, and I'll kind of kick things off to kind of set the tone. Um, let's start off with the first question I asked you guys. What do you think is the most to blame for the Packers off year in 2022? And for me on the offensive side of the ball, and I've been watching a lot of film, you know, there's there's a lot of chatter about, you know, is, is Aaron Rodgers washed up? Is he dumb? We did a poll. That poll was kind of cool. I didn't expect the poll to come back as as favorite in Rodgers' uh uh side as as maybe Ryan would have. It's funny. Me and Ryan, you know, we had differing opinions throughout the season and and everything changes as you go through the NFL calendar year. But um, it's, it's funny because on my side, I'm catching heat like he's washed up. I can't believe you're just, you're just kissing his rear end. And on Ryan's side, it's like, why are you a Rodgers hater? <laughs> so, and we're both really just trying to be realistic going, okay, how is he actually playing? Where is he making mistakes, this and that? But for me, when I watch the tape, guys, on offense, it's, it's the tight formations that I'm having a problem with, you know, this RPO game. Um, it, to me, it seems as if, just like the read option several years ago, the league has caught on to the RPO. You know the, one of the guys that made it really, really successful in the NFL was uh, Doug Peterson in Philly. You know they went and won a Super Bowl with it. Essentially, they ran the rock a lot, they ran the RPO a lot, and you know it's funny he's in Jacksonville and they're struggling, right? Not that Jacksonville is a powerhouse, but you just don't see the RPO game, you know, as effective as it was there in uh, in Philly that Super Bowl run. You know, you kind of seen it in India a little bit, too, there with Frank Reich, but that was more last year and the year before. Um, so, for me, I think the league has kind of caught on to it. I did a little study, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago on a pod, and of the three most important stats that Packer fans as a whole said, hey, these are the most important things um, from an offensive standpoint um, – Basically, everybody, I think it was 40% of the league that runs this style of offense, not necessarily RPO heavy, but that wide zone boot scheme, everything ranked out to about 18th. So, we're like middle of the pack of all the teams combined in the entire National Football League. So, I think you've got a little bit of that effect. But every time we see these RPOs, it always, to me, it seems like everything is just so tight. There's so much traffic. You know, Sam Holman posted a video on Twitter that showed an RPO. Now – hindsight's 20-20, but when you look at the play, it's like, man, Aaron should have handed that ball off, right? But he's reading the inside linebacker, and what you have is Coach Han jumping in the chat and going, no, nah, I kind of think he read it right looking at the backer. The only problem was the guard didn't block his guy. But then I think it was like Ryan might have pointed out, if he does throw to the flat in the RPO, which is what he was trying to do to DeGuara is going to be hitting it's a three-yard gain. So it's like there are multiple things wrong with this, and I, I personally believe it's because – everything is so jammed in tight you know if I'm a defensive coordinator and they come to the line and and, and I can read the future and they say all right it's just going to be a short pass here in the flat and they've got everybody in that tight we're in a perfect position to defend that that's just what I'm seeing I want to know where the crossers are I want to know where the smash concepts the drives the meshes all those things that really opened things up last year how many times last year the last two years guys did we see deep crossers across the field connect and, and it wasn't necessarily Tay. I mean, you've seen it in the uh, the playoff game there uh, last year against the Niners with the last play of the game and Alan Lazard running open across the field, you know. It's like, where where are those concepts, those, those intermediate passing, the inter- intermediate passing, I should say. So that's kind of how I see offense. And on defense, it's real straightforward. It's run defense, man. We have pulled so much out of run defense, it's not even funny. So let's go around the horn here. Those are kind of – the things that I think are the biggest problem. Like I said, on defense too, it's – you guys have heard me say it at nauseum. free safety is the biggest issue, 40, 46.4 PFF grade. You got to sit Savage and give Rudy Ford a shot. Um, linebacker with Quay, Quay had two great games back-to-back. I don't say great, decent games back-to-back his last two games, although he got ejected there early in the, in the last game that we watched. Um, I would like to see a little more rotation at linebacker. Maybe he's not quite ready yet. You know, his, I think his PFF grades a fifty one point three. And the defensive front I want to see is, is Kenny Reed and Lowry. That's what I would like to see up front because this TJ Slayton stuff just isn't working for me. But that being said, JJ, what do you think's the biggest issue, bro? <clears>
0: That's <throat> uh, clearly uh, Rashawn Gary. He's just not cutting it. I'm kidding. Um, he <laughs> sucks. The uh, I, I think it'll be interesting going through all of our four takes on this because as you said at the top, there's so many problems with the Packers. I think, I think we we each could talk for an hour and not repeat anything. The other guys said Um, for me, um, I have a lot of frustrations with uh, leadership with the team and um, accountability at quite a few levels. And I go back to, you know, last year, I don't, I don't think the Packers finished on a strong note, and I'm not just talking about the 49ers game. They were kind of falling apart toward the end of the season. And we heard Tunyon talk after the season ended about how, yeah, well, we just, you know, quit believing in ourselves and started getting down on ourselves and thinking we weren't that good kind of out of nowhere. And, I feel like the Packers team we're seeing in 2022 is really the same team we saw for the last couple games of the season last year. And to me, I'm I'm looking at the way they're playing and they don't seem to believe in themselves or in each other. Uh, I I think there is a big confidence issue Um, to me. Also, I, you look at at how sloppy everybody is, how um, unprepared and undisciplined they are and, you know, you can have uh, nine or ten guys all uh, doing their job on a play, and one or two guys fall apart, and the whole thing just collapses. And then the very next play, you get the same thing, but it's a different two guys who are falling apart, and there's just there's no <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> no ability to stay consistent from play to play of having everybody put their best effort out there. And and you see at times. Uh, you know, I think back to a, a few drives in the Bears game, in the Bucks game, um, even in the in the Patriots game, where it all does come together, uh, especially on offense, and they can still be lethal. Um, you know, we saw that they can they can move the ball with efficiency, and then these drives start getting killed by stupid mistakes. You know, you got I, it, it. It blew my mind when we had the uh, botched handoff from Rogers to Dylan in week two. And we had the exact same thing happen again, like four weeks later, which um, by that point I was no longer feeling surprised. Um, but the, the overall uh, unprepared sloppiness is just killing me. And, and I, my philosophy when it comes to a lot of areas of, of life with, with leadership, but particularly in football is the longer a problem is uh, presenting, I think the higher you, you have to take it up the command chain. So, you know, on an individual play, a guy you know screws up, he drops a ball, whatever. I'm mad at that player. Like, come on, man, you're better than that. Why did you drop that ball? Now, if you are continuing to do this for a couple games, I I quit blaming the player and I start looking at his coach and I'm saying, listen, man. It's your job to have this guy ready. And if he's not the dude bench him and put somebody else out there, it's no longer the player's problem. If the player has demonstrated that he's just not good enough. So I'm looking, you know, I'm no longer frustrated with Darnell Savage. I'm actually no longer frustrated with Ryan Downard who, you know, from my ivory tower way too far away to make any uh, really accurate judgment call. I think Ryan Downard appears to be in over his head. If, Both of his safeties, including Adrian Amos, are playing completely incompetent football. Um, I'm no longer mad at him. I'm starting to not even be mad at Joe Barry about this anymore. I'm going, listen, (laughs) Matt LaFleur, the guys underneath you are demonstrating a complete inability to solve this problem. It's now on your desk. Why are you not going over and getting in Joe Barry's face and saying, bench Savage and put somebody else in? And guess what? you know what, if if you don't feel that you have anybody better than Savage, go talk to Goody. Say yeah. you didn't give me enough horses to put this all together. So the, the longer any of these problems go on and there are, are numerous problems uh, on both offense and defense where I'm looking at it. I, I really am blaming Matt LaFleur in a lot of areas for saying there are a lot of things going on, whether it's Rogers not being held accountable for not throwing to the guy that the play was designed for or predetermining who he was going to throw to before the ball snapped like I'm sorry Matt I know that you respect uh, Joe Barry I know you respect Aaron Rodgers. you're their boss it is your job to hold them accountable to a higher standard and get answers for them from them. Or why they are not executing the job the way that you want them to do it. And if they are executing the way you want it, then I have serious problems with your plan because it's a crappy plan and it's not working. So <laughs> a lot of problems on both sides of the ball. But I think at this point, there's just too many arrows pointing to Matt LaFleur that he needs to fix this. And and I'm starting to want Mark Murphy and Brian Gudikins to you know, come out and make some statements about what's going on. I, I hope they're talking to Matt LaFleur and trying to help him come up with some some plans for how to fix this or asking him what his plans are. But, um, <clears throat> but the, the other thing um, is that I think there are enough enough issues with the way the team is playing in some sore spots on the roster that I had concerns about before the season began, where before the games started, I was saying, all right, I don't like this plan. But I trust the team. I trust Gutikans that that they think that you know just having two safeties on the on the roster or two running backs in the roster or not having um, edge depth or you know not really going out and getting any kind of a real answer at wide receiver and just hoping that guys were going to play better, hoping that Rogers was going to adapt and throw to the open guy rather than just trying to find a new Devontae. I do have a lot of questions about the leadership of the team. Um, at at several of the higher levels, um, and, and, and if nothing else, if nothing else, just for their lack of holding the guys lower down accountable for uh, the decisions they're making and the uh, you know quality of results that they're putting on the field. So, and, and I think we all can point to several areas in the game where there are just some things that are, are painfully obvious. Like you need to commit to the run game. You need to bench Savage uh rogers needs to throw to the guy that the play is designed for stuff like that where it's like man we could really move the needle a lot in just a couple of these small areas and the team is not doing it and and that to me is uh, like like i said i'm no longer frustrated with all the lower level people i'm i'm frustrated with their bosses for not making some changes not benching some guys not uh you know uh taking away playing time from from guys who are not giving their effort or who are not, um, you know, putting in the work in practice. I mean, we don't, we don't know who all is not giving their all in practice, but we know who are going above and beyond in practice. We know about the extra work that Romeo Dobbs and Rashawn Gary are doing to fix any problems with their game, to take their game to the next level. Those are guys I'm going to reward with extra snaps. And to me, from my vantage point of of michigan very far away from lambo uh it, it does seem like some guys care a lot more than others and it's surprising to me that the guys who don't appear to care as much about improving their craft are still getting so many reps
1: yeah i think you make great points um you know i, I thought the same thing when i looked across the board and i seen just how off everything was it's like man it, it's hard to say and I kind of understand Ryan's point here too, you know, at what he's been talking about on the pod. It's hard to look at this roster and go, "Yeah, everybody just sucks." That's all it is. It's just a sucky roster. Like, sorry, that ain't true, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, you've seen the success in the past, but the safety position is just baffling to me because when I when I do watch the tape, it's like the the reason they're grading out so bad is and and in my opinion, Amos has played much, much better than Savage. I'm not kind of putting them in that same group, that same tier. But when they when they miss a play, it's like i look at that play and I'll go, that's on the player right there. But like you said, whose job is it to get the players ready? It's, I know, it's tough. Ryan, man, talk to us, dude. What's uh, What do you see as the biggest issue, man?
2: Yeah, it's going to be hard to elaborate too much because I think JJ and I are pretty – fairly aligned on on a lot of that so he covered a lot of the points but going back to what you were talking about Clayton because I, I do see a lot of that you, you talked about being kind of too compressed and when you're trying to do all this dink and dunk stuff it's hard and, and they even addressed that early on I don't remember exactly what they were talking about but the offense is getting more and more compressed and I think that's as they're allowed to do or able to do less and less the offensive line can't block the receivers can't right. get open whatever the only thing I can think just trying to think positively from a schematic standpoint is we need to be able, and I hate to even say this because this is what Rogers and LeFleur keep saying, and I want to smack them every time they say it. But <laughs> we need to be able to stretch the field a little bit. You know, we right. need to create those that space intermediate. You know, and in, in, in the intermediate, and on top of that, considering all we're doing now is running and throwing behind the line of scrimmage, there's no wonder it's compressed. They know what we're going to do. We're way too predictable. First mm-hmm. of all, I went and looked at a couple stats in terms of like third and four. It's like an eighty percent chance we're throwing the we're going to throw the ball and it's going to be behind the line of scrimmage. Like we're, we're so unbelievably predictable with what we're doing, and it's all stupid stuff, you know. Even like with, with the success running the ball, and I'm glad we did it, and I'm glad we stuck with it. That's not really super sustainable long term running that much because how many right. how many times do we have to run a play to actually get far enough down the field if we're getting four or five yard chunks? You know, I mean, that's that's really not sustainable long term. That's great that we're doing it. It's great. We're successful. But that's just the first piece that we have to build on. Um, so, yeah, just strictly from a schematic standpoint, like I talked to you about, Clayton, we're, we're paddling uphill. You know, it's like that that video I said of the guy holding a shopping cart sideways and throwing groceries in it. Like we're making this way harder than it has to be. But but ultimately, yeah, it's it's like JJ was saying, it's at some point. You gotta look at this and say, I, I just I don't know what else to say other than this is a coaching issue. I don't I, I really don't know. No matter what the issue is, well, the guys aren't playing. It's kind of a coaching issue a little bit. Well, the guys aren't prepared. That's a coaching issue. Well, the guys they're not putting in the work, you know, Matt LaFleur's putting in the work, the guys aren't. I'm sorry, that's gonna be a coaching issue. You have to get these guys ready to play one way or another. So again, as I said, it's completely unfair. If Matt Lafleur is putting in the work, he's putting together the best game plan he can. He's calling good plays and doing all these things, and the guys aren't executing. I don't, I don't, I really don't know where else to put that. I mean, it, it reminds me—I read it once, so I'm going to try to sound super intelligent. But the, the the in the Sun Tzu, the Art of War, or whatever—if yeah. if a guy messes up, that guy doesn't get killed. The the guy who's leading the, the army gets taken over to the side and decapitated. Like that's it. And guess yeah. what? Things get cleaned up real quick. So that's that's where we're at right now. No seriously though, it's it's if this right. guy messes up, it's a coaching issue. I'm not right. going to sit here and say, "Hey, why, you know, like Jay just said, why why are you fumbling handoffs twice in a row?" Like, "Come on, man." I mean, if if things are that bad, if guys are unprepared to that to that extent, there's no question in my mind with the amount of mental errors we're making, this is guys just not having any energy. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, yeah. when when you're doing super stupid stuff, it's because your mind is just not really fully focused on it. We, we do that on day-to-day tasks where it's like, oops, you know, you make some kind of stupid mistake because you're only half doing the task. The entire team has only got half-hearted effort into this thing. Um, yeah. And again, I, I, I really like Matt LaFleur, so I hate to put it all on him, but they're not playing for you. They're not fighting for you. They're not motivated by you. They, they don't care. And it, it's really painful to see such teams like Carolina, who have nothing to play for, you know they have no reason to care whatsoever half that team's going to get cut and they're fighting for these guys yeah somebody in that room has got to kind of pick yeah. it up and and similar to what jj was saying before you got to keep working up the chain you know i mean if if the position coach isn't getting the guys ready the head coach has to go to the position coach and say this is what needs to happen and you're either going to do it or you know however you want to say it you need to understand your job's on the line here because your guys aren't performing And if Matt LaFleur is not doing it, Brian Gutekunst makes it has to make it clear to Matt LaFleur, just so you know, this is on you. You need to get this fixed. And and ultimately what happened in 2018, things didn't get fixed until Mark Murphy got involved and was like, all right, you know what? Nothing's working here. And this little thing where the coaches and and the GM and everybody are trying to figure this out. and, And we're all just sitting here doing this. Nope. We're blowing this thing up. And that's what ultimately fixed it. So I don't want to go to that extreme but at some point, somebody's got to figure this thing out. Somebody's got to man up and, and say this is the the change we're going to make to fix things. Otherwise, it's on Mark Murphy to say we we got to just yeah. blow this thing up because you guys aren't aren't getting the job done.
1: Absolutely, and I agree. It's it took some uh, took some to do that with Mark Murphy too because right. you know he, I mean the fact that he went in and he basically said here's how we've always done things to the best of my knowledge since Ron Wolf and we're going to change things up. This ain't working. And then I remember thinking, man, this is a bold move. And I remember hearing your podcast during this time too, and and sure enough, man, you come out the first year and bam, you see a change. Um, you know, it's funny what you said about the the position coaches. Uh, bring a memory back of a really cool story. Bill Walsh, one hundred one. You know, all of all of Bill Walsh's players. I don't know if you've read any of his books, like the one that um, God, he used to be the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Brian Billick actually used to be the PR guy for Bill Walsh, if I remember correctly. And he wrote a book, helped write a book about Bill Walsh. And they said more than anything, more than X's and O's, more than a football genius, Bill Walsh was a psychologist. Like he he could get mm-hmm. into the psyche of a player and a coach so quick. And one of the tactics he always used, which Mike Holmgren took to Green Bay in his run there in the 90s, was he would intentionally roast the position coach in front of the players. I mean, absolutely as if they were the worst coach in the league, this and that. And you can actually see a sideline shot of Mike Holmgren doing it to Andy Reid. And Andy Reid, who at the time, if I remember correctly, was the either the offensive coordinator or the quarterback's coach at one point there. And he goes to Andy Reid, and he chews Andy Reid out. And you can see as Holmgren walks off, Andy Reid turned around and looked at Brett. And Brett looks at him like, oh, man, he took a bullet for me there. like, yeah. And that makes those players want to play. But
2: yeah, that makes sense.
1: You don't have any of that right yeah. now. You don't. None of it and not that you should use that specific tactic and that's the secret to you know coaching football but there's got to be something change and i do think there you guys know i've defended aaron rodgers i i think aaron rodgers is having an off year but at the same time you i don't i personally don't think you're going to find another quarterback to play at his level that's available right now and there's no trading him if he comes back you you know you got him i think you still got a top 10 quarterback but there's something in that room with aaron rodgers's presence With Aaron Rodgers, of come on, guys, everything's going to be okay. Let's just you know, it 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 is preventing Matt Lafleur from doing the exact thing that we're talking about doing. So, Mm -hmm. um, good stuff. All right, Mr. Thomas Austin, talk to us, man. What do you think? What's the biggest thing that stands out to you, man, as far as this Packers team? What's the what do you see as one of the maybe one two or you know top three issues right now?
3: So I'm going to tackle the first one for offense. To me, it kind of feels like, and this it's kind of an excuse by blaming the constant injuries but it there's no consistency there the offensive line have i don't know how many different variations we've seen throughout the years almost every up uh, the year not years but every single game it feels like it's different there's no synergy there it's hard it's i like to think of football as like a chess game and you're constantly just moving the pieces around and you're just looking at there and don't know what to do. Um, every single day when I come home from work, I call up my dad and we talk about the Packers. He's a big fan. He's what got me back into it. And uh, he's very much on Roger's side where he doesn't have anyone to throw it to. They're not listening to him and me. I'm more of trust the system. If, you go with the system, LeFleur, the floor obviously, past couple of years going 13 3, 13 3, 13 4. You don't just luck into that. Right. The system yeah. is working. And you can kind of see certain games where it kind of feels like Rodgers and the floor are on the same page with it. And uh, I believe that there's con- like people. The talking heads all mentioned, like, you can tell when Rogers calls an audible and then the play falls apart. But also, too, a lot of young guys in key positions, <laughs> it's having the expectations that everything's going to run smoothly. That's wild. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot and I see so many people just tearing the team apart who claim to be fans and it's like you kind of just want to be here to trash every little thing that they do any positives they take that away and i really feel like it's just you have to if things are working even slightly follow through with that don't move things around but like this last weekend watson it the injury sucked, uh, and a lot of people are coming at him for no reason, but those injuries, it just seems the Packers can't catch a break at all on offense. Something happens. you They get uh, drives going so well, and then just one boneheaded play, which, like you guys are talking about, that that's kind of on the discipline and coaching where a flag pops up. So what used to be a 15-yard uh, Aaron Jones rush is now – It gets called back. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And that happens way too much. And I just feel like they have to figure out beforehand, okay, what happens if this piece, like I said, of chess, if the queen goes down, switch up your game, you can see what they have, you know what they have, and you can kind of make it work. Where you can turn a pawn into a different piece. And I feel like Rodgers can do that. I feel like Lafleur can do that. It's just there's there's no – it feels just so disjointed. Yeah. And then on defense, it's not as simple as just getting rid of Barry because what are you going to do after that? You're going to get the people who have been working with him. And it's it, – just seems like for defensive coordinator, they haven't been able to hit on someone in the past few years. The past hundred years. Go ahead, though. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just for the defense, there's not really one thing because a lot of people have taken step backs. And throughout the years, you're going to get that just because age and everything. But these are young guys who just seemingly aren't – getting it yeah and I don't necessarily know exactly what to do for defense but it's maybe like take your key players get your Jair get your Rashawn and have them kind of be the focal points for getting your team fired up which you shouldn't happen because you shouldn't have the, the players do it that should be coaching but Get those guys who are playing the best of their ability, see maybe if they can come up with something. Just get the team talking, get the team together. And then uh, finally for the last point, it's a lot of the times what the coaches say after the games, after the press conferences, they come out and they make everything sound so easy like oh man you know we just gotta we just gotta work better at it
0: and (laughs) they, they
3: they can sweet talk it they can sweet talk it so well but they never follow through so if they follow through with that if they actually listen to their own words and do that i think that they can pull it together a lot of people are doom and gloom on this season three and five rough losses however there's a couple of games where key plays, if they just fall in favor, we you know, it'd be 5 3, not the greatest, but there's still hope. I think that there's still some time to turn this around. I really do. Yeah, I do too.
1: I agree. Um, and I, I love your positivity. I, I like following you on Twitter. Um, I love how you make light of situations when other people are acting like the world is ending. You know, isn't it funny that we spend, what, whatever the off season is, whether it's you consider it four months or six months out of the year, we're just like, God, I can't wait till football season gets here. And then it gets here, and the second things don't go perfect, we're miserable, <laughs> right? Everybody's just like, I'm like, this is what this is what we were waiting on, right? This is crazy. But you said a couple things there that I think was really profound.
2: We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. Ten percent off a four hundred dollar slab pack. That's forty bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase.
1: Uh Thomas, you know you, you were talking about find the things that are working and, and just do it more it sounds so simple right i mean and there's a thing in business you talk about it accentuate the positives and minimize the negatives it's that simple and and you do that by on defense we talked about it you know what what is it going to take to make a change at certain positions like if you were to if you were to come to me and go what's the worst case scenario for a specific position and let's use safety right if, if you were to come to me and go all right What's the worst-case scenario you could see at the safety position? I would be someone who can't someone who can tackle, someone who – I don't really care if they play gap sound or not. If they're not going to use the physicality to stop the run, it, it doesn't matter how well that gap assignment is drawn up, period, right? I would also say someone who does not get you turnovers, someone who does not force fumbles and does not pick the ball off, right? That would. Those would be the three things. Like, if you cannot tackle – If you cannot play gap sound, and if you can't force turnovers, why are you on the field? And when you look at Darnell Savage, I mean, that's – you see it. Like, solo tackles, he's 54th in the entire league. And we know tackles don't – you know, it doesn't – I'm not here to say, give me a Roquan Smith that's going to make 735 tackles in one season. That doesn't fix the problem. But he has 21 tackles this year, 21 solo tackles. And the thing that kills me is – 46.4 Forty-six point four PFF grade, fifty-two point one defense grade. His pass rush is decent. Maybe we should maybe we should move Rashawn Gary to free safety and let Darnell Savage rush off the edge. I don't know, but the coverage grade forty-five point two. Guys, there is nothing this guy is doing well. Nothing, and you've got the largest sample size possible. I mean, it, it, I'm just trying to. I'm sitting back, going, what is it going to take to pull him? What would it take? And and to me. Kind of like to bring this full circle. And we talked about, you know, like Mark Murphy used the used the word silos back in the day. You had too many silos that were preventing communication between Ted and Mike and, you know, way back in the day. Um, for me, it seems like people are scared to go to Goody and go, hey man, I think we missed on this guy. I, I don't think we should play him. Like, cause that's what it's going to take. I firmly believe if you pull Savage and you throw Rudy Ford in there, you're going to see that defense improve. I'm not saying it's going to turn into a top five defense magically, like all the beat writers said in, in the in the preseason and training camp, right? But you get him out of the lineup. I would leave Amos in place right now, and I would do a little bit of a, a little bit different rotation on the defensive line. T.J. Slayton is not working out. He's not. I don't care how big the guy is. I don't care. He can be a mountain of a man, and you can you can try to force him into that nose tackle role. And it's becoming evident now, Ryan, that in the offseason when we seen Kenny Clark come in and he was trimmed down, this was the plan. They wanted to play him on the Sean side more often to force a mismatch on that side of the ball, on that side of the, of the line of scrimmage, that there's no way they can double both Kenny and Rashawn Gary and it's obvious they wanted him to key in on pass rush and it's because they thought T.J. Slayton was going to be that traditional nose tackle that they could use and and T.J. Slayton's grade guys 53.4 his tackle grade is a 25.6 it doesn't matter how much you look like Gilbert Brown if you cannot tackle a ball carrier (laughs) you're doing us no good I mean when once a team realizes All he's going to do is try to occupy two gaps. And according to the run defense grade of 56.2, he's not even doing that well. He's not going to tackle you. Heck, gash him in the A-gap. Just hit hit him right up in the A-gap, right? And it's because you've got him in the game more often now. I mean, he's he's had a total of 150 snaps. This isn't a small sample size. So what I think would really fix this issue on defense, or at least get us in the right direction, like what you were saying, Thomas, is – Put that defensive line, put that front out there of Kenny, Reed, and Lowry. If you if you want to continue to play Kenny at more of a defensive end position and put Reed at nose and try that, that's great, whatever. But to me, the and I'm not saying this is a great combination, but T.J. Slayton is becoming an issue against a run, period. So um, is it going to knock Kenny's pass rush down? I'm sure, just a touch, as you make those adjustments. But, you know, like we said the other day, and we laughed about situations or situational. We're in a position now where teams are just going, you know what? We're just going to run the ball on them. Just pound the freaking rock, get a lead, and they don't have the firepower to come back. And, and it's kind of like what your dad was talking about. You know, you, you said, Thomas, that he sides with Aaron. That's the one thing that's that's not talked about enough, in my opinion, this week. And, and maybe you guys disagree, but I looked up and I'm like, nobody is talking about the fact that we were without our top three receivers. Like, when I say top three receivers, I'm not talking about a true number one receiver. Like they're not in that we were without our top three receivers on the depth chart. We lost both of our inside linebackers and we still somehow only lost by 10 points. But I do believe if the Buffalo bills had continued to run a rock in the second half, that game would have gotten really, really ugly because once they started throwing it around a yard and, you know, forcing turnovers and all that things really, uh, really changed up. So to fix the problem, in my opinion, we've got to open things up a bit and i don't that doesn't mean pass more it just simply means open the formations up a touch stretch the defense horizontally pre-snap rather than trying to do it post-snap with mm-hmm. all this and you don't see as much movement which i completely agree with you ron it's like there's so many mistakes not that you're saying it's because of the mistakes but we i think we would all agree you're not seeing as much pre-snap motion i think it's because you know there's so many things that can go wrong and and there's so many mental mistakes you can't do it you almost have to spread it out a touch and continue to run the ball but make that defense get out of that real tight shell that they're playing in on offense. I think that's going to clean up some of the the problems on offense. Now on defense again, <clears throat> make the change. You know, I've mentioned in the chat what I would love to see them do. I think I mentioned it on the pod the other day too is I'd love to see them lock Rudy Ford up. It ain't going to take much money at all. Get him to an extension, two or three years, play him at safety and and whether he's the answer or not by the end of this season we better know if he can play safety or not. And if he can't, that better be a focal point because it is destroying this defense, like absolutely destroying it. When you lose the turnover, when you you can't win the turnover differential battle on a consistent basis, you're not going to win many games, period. And you've got a quarterback that's protecting the football. You do. That's one thing that Rodgers does great, we would all agree, sometimes to a fault, right? But again, even when, like, look at the touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. And I'm going to pass it back off to you, JJ, but... The touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs, they were in a single high-man coverage, okay? Now, I'm not going to try to bore you too much with the X's and O's, but single high-man coverage, two receivers on the right side of the field. They ran a dagger concept. That dagger concept is simply what a dagger is, is a streak or a nine route with an underneath dig, okay? And the idea is get the defense stretched vertically, and if they follow the receiver deep, then you can attack underneath. It's a man coverage beater. But like Ryan said on the pod, it was a 50-50 ball. There was pretty decent coverage. It's just Rodgers threw an absolutely perfect ball. Romeo Dobbs did two 360s looking like Sonic the Hedgehog out there. He somehow <laughs> made the catch. It <laughs> made it look way more difficult than it should have. Yep. Again, that play, when he caught it, I thought, man, that's a dot from Rodgers, heck of a catch by Romeo Dobbs. But I didn't look at that and go, what a play call. I was going, man, that's a 50-50 ball. Like, it's a dagger concept. Where, Like I said, where are the smash concepts? Where are the double crossers? Where are the mesh plays? Where are the drive concepts? All these things that's going to separate the defense at layers. And I think the answer, and a lot of people probably don't want to hear it, but me personally, I believe the answer is you can't run a drive concept consistently out of these tight formations, it's, it's almost impossible. Same thing with, you know, with the mesh. Yeah. You can run it with a couple tight ends. You know, you can run a little mesh play there, or maybe a, a combo mesh with a strong side tied in and a, and a play side receiver, there, you know, different things there. But I dismiss the days of, Hey, every now and again, let's come out in a spread 11 and pound the rock in the A gap. But we're trying to get so cute with the pulling guards and this and that. And, and Aaron Jones, I'm telling you right now, if Aaron Jones isn't our running back, we don't have the rushing success that we had that last game because he he is making chicken salad out of you-know-what. So um, go ahead, JJ. How do you fix it, man? Fix the problem for us. Uh,
0: I'm going to keep mine.
1: Howdy, dude. Are you going in? You're like, listen, lock, change the locks. Get them all out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep mine kind of short because I'm, I'm a little bit of a downer. Um, I'm, I'm not super interested in uh, the – Pursuit of a Super Bowl in twenty twenty two. I I don't think it's happening. Um, that that that's, it's just it's just too plain to me. I have a lot of ideas for how I'd like to fix things going forward into next year, and one of my biggest priorities would be talking to Matt Lafleur and saying, I I, I want to see how you are preparing this team to be successful. Next year, I want to see development of young guys. I want to see, um, you know, build. uh, uh, Let me back up. What one thing that is really frustrating about when we do see success this year is we're not building anything at all. All right, Uh, like two weeks ago, the safeties suddenly had an elite game, both of them, out of nowhere. First game all year where we had good safety play, and 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 I said on the podcast. I hope we see that continue. I hope it's not just a flash in the pan, like kind of everything else that works right. You know, Hey look, the offensive line worked great for one week. And then the next week they fall apart again. The safeties look great last week. Then this week fall apart again. I, I need to see areas of the team start st- stacking success. Um, I need us to, to see a plan from Matt LaFleur about how, the locker room and the coaching staff are going to be better next year than they are this year. And I'm going to point to a bunch of crappy teams over the last few years who have turned things around and finished the season hot and strong and able to build off of that in the next year. I think back to the 2019 dolphins, I think it was 2019 where people were really upset about how bad the dolphins were because it was kind of damaging fantasy football because (laughs) Um, opposing oh, no. defenses in fantasy football were putting up like 35 points whenever they went up against the Dolphins. And so, you know, it was like, hey, great. You can get, you know, uh, the, the highest score of any player in fantasy football is just going to come every week from whatever defense is going up against the Dolphins. People were mad about that. And the Dolphins started selling off parts and firing people. And all of a sudden, they started winning games. And, and, that, and that was not like the goal of selling off parts. The goal was prepare for next year. Right. But the thing is the guys lower on the death chart, those are NFL players too. And they want to win. And you know what? You get some of these divas out of the locker room, you start getting better results. I'm looking at some of the guys we got on our roster who are getting paid big bucks who have um, big names and big egos and putting out crap on the field, you know, and, and I'm, I I don't, I don't know what the benefit of having them out there is other than you don't have to face the music of fans being mad that you moved on from so-and-so who's not playing like so-and-so. And so, so, you know, what would I do to fix the rest of the season? I I mean, we're a little late for that, Uh, but I, most of my ideas, (laughs) um, our, our past date now because the trade, trade deadline is gone. And there are guys I would have moved on from. I think there are sp- specific guys on this roster you could have moved on from that I don't think it really would have hurt our 2022 season much more than it currently is set up and would have prepared you a lot better for the future. Um, But for trying to win some games for the rest of the 2022 season, because I don't think we're going to, the rest of the NFL is so bad, we're not going to have a really great draft pick. So let's win as many games as we can and try and build on the locker room, improve the locker room, get these young guys who are going to be the foundation of our team next year, really believe it in themselves, um, get the fans juiced up. You know, if, if you get hot at the end and, and people are excited because, you know, you might sneak into the playoffs, you might, you know, uh, if you run the table toward the end and, sneak in his wild card maybe win a playoff game or two whatever i mean that's not nothing i think that is worth pursuing to achieve that i'm going to make practice all about some fundamentals and we're going to start with tackling so i'm going to read off some names to you here of guys who um, are the lowest graded tacklers on our team jaron reed rasul douglas adrian amos eric stokes devondre camel Campbell, Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Preston Smith, T.J. Slayton, and Ladarius Hamilton. There's some big names in there that should not be horrible tacklers. Rashawn Gary has a 42 tackling grade. I think we can all acknowledge Rashawn Gary is a great player and should not have a 42 tackling grade. Right. So guess what? In practice this week, we are going to practice tackling. We're going to practice. And we've seen it. You know, you look back at at uh, the Tampa game, all right? And Matt LaFleur really put him through their paces, had had these uh, really physical practices that ended up in a bunch of soft tissue injuries. And it freaked him out, and he came out and publicly apologized for it and kind of said, we're not going to do that anymore. And guess what? The team has not – I'm not sure they've made a tackle since then. Yeah, and right. the run defense has been horrific, despite the fact that we had really good run defense and really good tackling in that game. And that Buccaneers game, despite the fact that the offense completely – Fell apart and couldn't do anything. That game was like the last time that I felt encouraged about the direction of the team because I'm saying, look, we kind of laid two stinkers to start the season, but that's fine. Week three, I'm seeing a lot of positives that we can build off of. But again, there's never anything we can build off of from week to week because whatever you do good one week, it's going to fall apart the next week and somebody else is going to be good instead. And uh, you can't, you know, build any. S- sustained success moving forward doing that so um if i was mark murphy i would also be having a conversation um you know with matt lafleur a conversation with Brian good talking about is matt lafleur the answer for next year we have seen the 2022 packers before we've seen them for two games in 2019 we saw them for uh, a couple games in 2020 um we saw them for way too many games in 2021 when the team shows up unprepared and it's it's humiliating and I, you all know exactly which games i'm talking about i don't even have to tell you the opponents you know it's yep one of those games we've seen it before now we're just getting the whole season of guys aren't prepared guys are distracted guys don't care and they're not executing the fundamentals of tackling and blocking and actually doing your job on a given play and throwing to the open guy. And it's everything all at once. And I do blame Matt LaFleur for it. I like Matt LaFleur. I want to see him turn this around and find success, but he has to earn that. I'm not just going to give it to him just because he's won uh, 36 games in the last three years, which hooray. Fantastic. I am. I I think he did a really good job for those uh, first three years. He's not doing a good job this year. And the NFL is a results uh, driven business. And Clayton, you were talking about Doug Peterson. I wanted Doug Peterson fired at least a year before he actually got fired by the Eagles because I looked at what was going on there and I said, it's not working. It is a problem from the top down. I don't like his decision making. Um, I don't particularly love his scheme they held on to him way too long because he had won a super bowl and you can't in the nfl you can't keep giving guys right so much respect because of what they've done a few years ago it is about how you're doing your job right now so if you're matt Lafleur, you and i'm mark murphy you have to convince me of why you're going to do a good job for the rest of this season and Put us in a place to be a success next season, and and it's not all his fault. I think that Gudekins did put together um, a, a more flawed roster than he could have. I think there are problems that he should have um, that he that he should have addressed before the season um, that he didn't. But Mar- Matt Lafleur is underutilizing the talent that he does have, and so that is a problem to me. Um, I had one more thing, but I forgot, it, so I'm going to let. Uh, let ryan take his yeah go ahead ron this is so hard
2: so many so many points have been made in the last (laughs) like 45 minutes that i wanted to touch on but we're so far away from that at this point (laughs) um so i guess i'll 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 try to touch on the most recent because that otherwise it just absolutely makes no sense the first thing that would come out of my mouth um again i keep going back to 2018 and one of the biggest issues i think is is like J.J. was saying, guys are getting too comfortable. Uh, I think our head coach was way too comfortable in his position. Um, nobody was ever going to move on from Mike McCarthy because of what he had accomplished. Dom Capers, he, he was on our team four or five years longer than he should have been. That guy should have been fired a long time ago, but it was also the players. Clay Matthews and Nick Perry were the poster childs, poster children in my mind for guys that had no business being on the team but had no fear of ever being cut from the team. Yeah. They were never going to be let go. They had no position coach. They did whatever they wanted. They put no effort out. Nick Perry stole. He, he just robbed us blind. We paid him a massive amount of money. That guy was the worst edge rusher in football after we paid him money. So there is an issue with feeling too comfortable on this team, and there does need to be an element of if you're not going to get the job done, we'll find somebody who will. But again, we're not going to do that. Like We've all been talking about with Darnell Savage. And and the guys that the guys that will show up are the guys like Rudy Ford because they just want a chance. You know, that's why we're starting to see, you know, while some guys are not getting it done, where it's like, why, you know, what's going on with Amos? What's going on with Seth? What's going on with all these guys that should be mm-hmm. even even Kenny at this point? You know, you, you talked about Slayton and how bad his run defense grade is. You know who the only player on this team with the worst one run defense grade is? It's Kenny Clark. So there's a lot of guys where it's like, what the heck is going on here? But you know, who's starting to pick it up? You know, we're starting to see stuff from Devonte Wyatt, Quay yep. Walker, Samori Ture. You know, these guys are like, I just give me a chance. Rudy Ford is one of the highest graded defensive. I know it's a small sample size, but the guy is, is doing everything he possibly can to say, please just give me a chance. And we got guys that look like they don't care. Why? Because I'm freaking Darnell Savage. Dude, you know who I am. I'm a first round pick. Like I, I, I don't need I have athleticism for days. I don't need to put in the work. I'm I'm a stud. Yep. So there does need to be, and from the players to the coaches to everybody, a healthy dose of. And 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 fans do this too. When I even discuss the possibility that maybe our head coach, his seat might be getting a little warm. How dare you? The guys won 13 games for how this is the problem. We can't get in a situation where you've been good in the past, so we can't even discuss it for two, three, four years because we're in a lot of trouble. I'm not saying fire the guy today, but everybody needs to understand this is a a business where you either produce or you're gone, and it can happen like that because way too many teams will hold on to a GM, a head coach, a player, a quarterback. How many times did the Jets hold on to a, a garbage quarterback for four or five years, go get a new one, hold on for four or five years? You know, it's it, – you have to be willing to admit this was a mistake. We got to figure something else out. And if you're not willing to do that, you're just going to continue a downward spiral and this is never going to get fixed. Um, And, and kind of going back to another point you made before about tackling. I I do think that's a big issue in terms of wanting to be too careful with things. If nothing else right now, we need to be in all in mode. We need to be willing to say, you know what? We're not doing it. We're going to play hard and physical. And if a guy gets hurt, Oh, well, Sorry. Same with like Coach Haunt said about special teams. The concern is, well, what if, what if somebody gets hurt? You know what? I don't care. We're here to win football games. We're here to play. And you're going to go all out. You're going to play special teams. We're going to, we're going to play hard, fast, physical practice. You're going to be dead tired. And you know what? We might, we might lose a couple guys in practice. I don't care. Cause if I may be not politically correct for a moment, this is a man sport and you have to be hard. You need to be physical. You need to be tough. You know, it's like the I watched the deadliest catch where these guys are they got limbs falling off and they're going back out and they're going back to work. That needs to be what football is. And you need to be willing to do that. If you're you're going to get hurt, you're going to get banged up and I'm going to be the one that imposes that on you. I'm going to kill you in practice. And if you survive, then you get the right to play on Sunday. We don't have that mentality anymore. And granted, most teams don't. But like JJ said, there's a direct correlation. The Mm -hmm. second you take your hand off and go, I don't want to get them hurt. I don't want to stress them too much. You know, when you win, you get the day off on Monday. This is so stupid. No, you don't. You don't get days off. You don't get minutes off. You don't get hours off. And if I find out after practice, you go home and you're playing video games, then I'll find somebody else that actually gives a crap and wants to play football and they can play for this team. This is the NFL. This is the peak. This is the pinnacle. Everybody in the world wants to be able to do this and only a select few can and you're not even going to put in a little bit of effort this is but again guys are too comfortable or too concerned i mean and matt lafleur is going to be on the hot seat or or get crucified if if god forbid somebody gets hurt in practice so he's got to be careful and he's apologizing this is this is stupid this is yep. stupid we, you you have to you have to embrace this um yeah go ahead you saying something
1: <laughs> End of rank. No, go ahead. You got something else?
2: Well, there's a couple of like older things that I probably should let go, but I don't know if I, the, the the one thing I think Clayton was was talking about it a little bit, but you know how our defense kind of keeps. Eventually, they give up a big play, right? And Joe Barry even talked about that, where good play, good play, good play, good play, and then they they kind of give up a, a a big run for 40 yards or something like that. It just I just thought it was kind of funny because we used to play defense or still do. I guess that whole bend don't break model, and the the point is. Just keep them in these short plays, and eventually we're going to get a big play. They're bend don't breaking our defense. Just keep yeah. playing, and eventually they're going to mess up. Just yep. keep, just you know, just keep moving the chains. It's like, how crazy is that? That that's what offenses are doing. They're forcing us into bend don't break because eventually we're going to break. That's yeah. freaking pathetic. So, anyways, I'll I'll leave it at that because I got a couple others, but that was talked about so long ago, it's not even relevant.
1: No, that's a great point though. It is, and we've got a chat here. I know I'm going to butcher the name. J.J., you're the smart one in the group. How would you pronounce that name?
0: Enoslab.
1: <laughs> All right, there you go. Since problem problem is we're discussing halfway through a season after losing a large handful of solid veterans and one superstar. Injuries have been an issue, and I will say this. I'm going on the record. I went on the record on my pod the other day. In the offseason, I said, I am not worried about losing Devontae Adams. Because so many times we've seen Aaron and Devante go off script, so many times. And I was like, I want to see the concepts unfold. I want to see everything develop. I want to see this system in work with other options available, right? And I don't want to say I'm wrong because I still feel that way conceptually, Right. But I will say I was, I was really, really wrong with how much we would miss Devontae Adams because there are so many times last year when you go back and watch the tape from last year where it was literally – and Rogers said it and Matt LaFleur said Devontae's earned the right to do that, to just go off cuff and go, okay, I'm going to read the DB here and run whatever route I want, and Aaron's just going to lock onto me and throw a BB, right? And the problem is when you face a good defense and you play that bracket coverage and double team them, they take them away in the playoffs in the most important game of the season, and all you're doing is keying on that guy. You're screwed, right? And that's exactly what happened. But I did – I I very, very, very much so um, underestimated the value of Devontae Adams. I did. And it's, well, it's making me go back and, and renegotiate with myself and go, okay, do you really see that wide receiver position as a third-tier
0: position rather than – a second tier, but well, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, but I'm looking at it from the angle of, I, I felt last year as you're watching the games, I felt that I didn't think our offense was very good. And it seemed like Devante was kind of saving everything. I didn't look at it and and say, well, that means we need to keep Devante. I looked at it and said, let's fix the problem and make the rest right. of the offense actually work. Well, I, I I was not I, I was not overly thrilled with Rogers play last year. I thought it was fine. He did win an MVP. I didn't think that was quite right. But um but the the offense I didn't think worked except for the Aaron to Devontae connection. And I'm not sure that if we had Devontae right now, that the Aaron to Devontae connection would be working because it didn't work against the 49ers. 49 49ers really keyed in on just taking him away and the rest of the offense couldn't get it done. I don't have any reason to think that we would still be finding success because by the end of last season, defenses had figured out how to take that away from us. So um, the other reason why I wanted to take the mic is because I remember what I was going to (laughs) say, which was um, I have a frustration with Matt LaFleur's um, coaching hires. Um, I, He there we have some very good coaches on our staff, but I think a lot of them are from his still holdovers from his initial coaching staff. And he has made some good hires here and there, but too many bad hires. And I I would going forward, if he's gonna stay, I would need to see a change in how these hires are being made. Um, you know, so I'm looking at like Sean Menenga, Drayton, um uh Joe Barry, I don't think are um okay hires um and i I need i need to see a change from the organization in how they approach these hires to where um look mark murphy seems to be really good at at hiring coaches and and understanding you know how to find these guys he went out and found matt lafleur can we pick mark murphy's brain about how we find an offensive coordinator (laughs) i'd just be curious to see curious to see what what ideas he would bring to the table so Um, but but again this is all for for next year yes I think there is some value for this locker room in taking some sustained success at the end of this season into next season but I'm just not interested in being the Saints you know getting worse and worse every year and just trying to hold on to these last you know dying breaths of a Hall of Fame quarterback's career you know and just continuing to go all in every single year here at some point you need to pump the brakes and do a reset and fix your cap situation. So you look, yeah, you can do what the Broncos did with Peyton Manning and build a super team around a, uh, an old quarterback who still has all the head knowledge and you go out and win it. You can do that. But, but, but that requires a reset in there somewhere that the saints never took. And the Packers seem to be unwilling to take. And I'm just looking at where we're at in the season right now with our win loss record. Like, now was the time to just say, all right, we, we did try. We tried our hardest. It's not quite working. So let's go with plan B of let's do our little reset right now so that 2023 we can go out there and uh, really push all our chips in. Gotcha. Good stuff. Yeah, it, you pointed out,
1: you know, it's funny. And we're going to wrap this thing up soon. And I'm, I'm going to hear from you here in just a second. and we'll wrap it up. But um, everybody looks at Mark Murphy as – the the funny-looking old guy on the inner two, And they, they like to gloss over the fact that the guy played in the NFL, led the league in interceptions one year, and is a football guy, period. Mm-hmm. And 2025 mm-hmm. is coming like freight train. And Mark Murphy is going to be gone. Who's going to step into that role? There's so many questions. And that's why it's like – Hey, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I agree with everybody's take. And I think that's what's great about these roundtables, is because it does, it opens your eyes up. I, mean, I really didn't look at that angle. But mm-hmm. when we step into this new regime, if you will, when we when we hire the new person in 2025 to replace Mark Murphy, I think that's going to be when this overhaul takes place that you're talking about, JJ. Um, if if we're not seeing results by then, and it sounds like it's a lifetime away, I know, but it's like would Mark Murphy tear it all down and go? Okay, guys, have at it. I'm gone. I just history to me says they probably won't do that. Um, now, as far as the players that we could have potentially traded away, um, for me personally, you can't trade Aaron Rodgers. That's impossible. The the con- it was a three year commitment to Aaron, and if you trade him away, the cap the cap penalty is unbearable. The contract is structured in a way so that when Aaron decides to retire at the end of this year or the end of next year, it's something that is manageable. I think it would put like 14 million in, uh, against the cap. He's on 14 million against the cap. If he retires after this year on next year's books, which isn't crazy. And I think it jumps to 24 the following year. And then we're clean off the books. If I understand correctly. And again, we won't get into the conversation. Nobody really knows the optional aspect of that contract, but Aaron's a top-ten quarterback. We can't trade him. I heard some people say trade Aaron Jones because that is going to free up roughly $10 million next year, right? The only problem is Aaron Jones is your best player on your roster. So, to me, it's like, okay, if we scrap Aaron Jones, we have no weapons on offense whatsoever, in my opinion. So, you truly are going right back to the – it Aaron. it's going to be an Aaron Rodgers-led team and nobody else on offense. Bakhtiari is going to yeah. walk away soon, too. I think we're going to see this. I guess what I'm saying in short, we're going to see the same type of approach next year, just the way the cap sits. And it's probably going to be 2024 when we see the overhaul you're talking about. Um, you disagree with that, Ryan, before we move on to Thomas?
2: It, it, to me, it comes down to what Rodgers wants to do. I don't know if he wants to come back to this. I know he has to forfeit a bunch of money, so maybe he's just going to do it all for the money. Um, but he, just the way, just his demeanor, and maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know i mean it, it is a lot of money but it, he strikes me as a guy that really doesn't necessarily want to do all this just for money he he's got plenty of money to live on and if this is the way things are going to go if he i mean again what what does he have to look forward to if if we win 8 games this year why are you coming back right is it, it would literally just be to get a paycheck because you're you're tarnishing your record you are um coming back and dealing with all the media scrutiny and, and hearing everybody say you're washed up and all this stuff. You need you need the money that bad to come back and, and do that, do this all over again? I don't think so. So yeah. unless we end by at least sneaking into the playoffs, I don't see any reason why he would come back. I just I just don't. So we'll we'll see. That's that that is gonna be a big piece of this because like you said if he decides to come back then it's like okay do we really want to get rid of aaron jones or are we going to continue on with this path because it feels like we have no choice but to continue on this horrible let's keep pushing money out destroying our cap not acquiring new players path that we're on um but yeah, yeah if, if 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 he leaves then what the you know to your point about aaron jones he's our best player okay well I don't care because Rogers is gone. We're kind of blowing this thing up anyways. I don't need Aaron Jones to get eight carries running into a brick wall all the time. <laughs> you know, just it's, it's going to suck. There's no doubt, but yeah, that's the whole point. We're going to suck for a little bit, but we got to do the hard stuff now, clean up the cap so we can come back stronger on the other end. But again, Rogers is the biggest key. Is he leaving or not?
1: Right. Yeah. And, and for me, and Clayton, I like,
0: I like your logic to how you – I think you're correct about what probably will happen. I think you're, you're reading is spot on right there. I'm just saying I don't, I don't think that's what should happen. I don't think the Packers should do that. Yeah. And, and I look at the Aaron Jones thing and you're saying, well, he's the best player on our offense. Our offense is not good, man. Like, yeah, yeah he's the best player, but I think you could have gotten a first-round pick for Aaron Jones. They got the equivalent of a first-round pick for Christian McCaffrey. I think you get very, very similar compensation for Aaron Jones, a guy who if you look at his contract – and his age, it's really hard to justify him being here next year. So if it's a dude who's going to be gone next year, mm-hmm. especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves, and you get a first-round pick for him, I, I don't look at our middling offense where we're underutilizing Aaron Jones anyways and say, yeah, that's worth a first-round pick. Like, like if we didn't have all that, would you give up a first-round pick? Or, or, you know what, let's just say a second-round pick in case I'm being too optimistic. Would you give up a second-round pick – to go from where we'd be without him to where we are right now, I, I to me it's like the, the the returns are not enough for that.
2: Yeah, we we'd go from a without Aaron Rodgers, what a a, a three win team to a five win team with Aaron Jones. That's not worth whatever compensation we would get, and again, cleaning up the cap situation.
1: Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's man, it's interesting. It, I this feels totally different from. And I was at Lambeau for Aaron's first start. This feels totally different from that point. At that point, it was – this is a decent roster. I think they can make this work with a young quarterback. Yeah, I mean, not going to quite be like, you know, it was with Brett going to the playoffs. And, obviously, the first year it wasn't. I think they won, what, six games, if I remember right. But at the end of the day, man, it's like uh, – I don't know, dude. <laughs> You've <laughs> It sucks that this is how Aaron's going out. But if you're doing a rebuild – The number one step, the very first thing you got to do is find a quarterback if you're going to win in this league. we got to find that quarterback. We tried to draft him. We don't know if it is the guy, right? Um, But if Jordan Love isn't the guy, people don't want to hear this, but first round this year, might want to try to get it right and find the guy.
2: (laughs) Or or to be honest, or not. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I know everybody's like, well, we have to be good next. No, we don't. You know, right. the Lions are, are are doing the right thing. I know they still suck, but at least the, the mentality is right. Let's let's fortify what we have. Let's make sure the offensive line is right. Let's make sure our defense is, is kind of in a good spot. We don't need to rush and go out and get a bad quarterback. Like I said, I, I did a cursory look at the quarter. I'm not a big fan of the quarterbacks that are coming <laughs> out this point. next year. And so we don't need to rush out and, and trade away all our draft capital to go up and get some halfway decent whatever. You know what? If we don't have the quarterback, and we even if we know Jordan Love is bad, let's get the offensive line figured out. Let's go get a wide receiver stud, whatever it is that you got. Let's go get a real good safety. So what? We're bad. Okay, we're going to build this team. We're going to keep getting better, and when that opportunity comes, we're going to get the quarterback, we're going to drop him in, and then we're off and running. We don't need to rush it. If it takes two, three years to get everything set and get a quarterback, then fine, but I don't see it as if Rodgers leaves, Everything else, nothing else matters. We have to get a quarterback. I mean, if we can, we can. But, but there's probably not an option in terms of free agency or the draft. And if that's the case, then 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 so be it. That's that's just the where I'm at with it. I I, I just I I'm willing to embrace the suck because I just think it has to happen. And I acknowledge that it's probably going to be bad, but I also acknowledge I still think it's the right thing to do. So yeah. that's just kind of where I'm at.
1: Right. And what I was trying to say is the number one priority. Is finding the right quarterback. Like yeah, you said, right. I look at this draft class and I want to, I want to like Will Levis because I'm a Kentucky fan. Yeah. But I don't see any of these quarterbacks as, yep, that's the Andrew Luck. You know, right. that's the uh the Peyton Manning, the Aaron Rodgers, the who. which it's funny though, we do forget that nobody was looking at it like Aaron Rodgers is a slam dunk, you know. Yeah. So you just gotta here you go trust the process right (laughs) but at the same time man i don't know dude I'm, i'm holding out some optimism um when you look at the standings thomas we're going to you right now brother um basically you've got philly minnesota seattle and atlanta those are your division leaders and for the the three spots outside of that you've got dallas at six and two new york giants at six and two and then it's up in the air so that seventh spot is our only shot just being realistic 49ers at four and four commanders at four and four Rams at three and four Buccaneers at three and five Packers at three and five Cardinals at three and five. I mean, you've literally got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's an eight team race there. Thomas, tell me, we come out and we boat race the Lions tomorrow, right? We win by 35 points. <laughs> Is there a chance that we turn
3: this thing around, man? So <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and be um positive here to the other two negatives. We got <laughs>
2: Clayton. <laughs> yeah.
3: So I be- I'm what you may call delusional. Uh but I believe that the Packers have the ability to turn it around. They what we've all been saying is that they have talent. They have the talent on defense. The young guys are looking to be Pretty good on offense, which it's hit or miss here and there. But I, I was thinking when talking about how tight the offense play. Well, I think the reason for it, I'm thinking about it, is with all the injuries to like the three main guys, and kind of you know you got Sammy and Randall, two older guys who have a little history with injuries. You got a bunch of these newer guys who you're trying to get into the system. Keeping them together kind of makes sense. You're not asking them to do a whole lot. You can kind of keep them at like very short routes and try to do the best that you can. And I think a good way to try and fix them is to and this falls on Rogers because I, I, my mic had to be muted because uh, one thing that Rogers and my uh, two-year-old daughter have in common is when you tell them no, they get a little upset. And Rogers, uh, talking about a rebuild, if you're going to do a rebuild, you should have just went with love and hard to say because look what he did afterwards, but getting rid of Rogers, if you were wanting to rebuild, that was the time to do it. Now, you're in cap H E double hockey sticks for the foreseeable future. You got a bunch of guys who you paid money to. And it's, it's, I think if you can just get people on board with the fact that you beat the bears, you beat Brady and you beat Belichick. Now, with that being said, the Buccaneers and the Patriots, they're not looking so hot this year, but, those wins, a little rough, but you got it. You lost to the Jets, you lost to the Giants. Those two teams are looking to be pretty decent this year, surprisingly enough. Go New York, whatever. People I uh, want to
1: hear that, but it's true.
3: And and that's the thing, is like people I'm on Twitter a lot, like I said earlier, and I will play the role of a delusional fan who's like, no, no, no. This you're getting the kinks worked out. And for the first couple games of the year, you're figuring out what doesn't work, what does work. Um, The last game with the Bills, in the second half, you're getting the run game going, and everybody is like, well, you know, the Bills, they were up. They weren't playing their whole stuff out. And it's like, okay, if they're not, the Packers are still showing that they have fight in them. They're building that. Uh, they're building that dog in them, you know. And so, you, uh, a lot of fans, I'm like, how can I, I just lost train of thought? But it's, I think that a fix is to trust the people that you have, understand their strengths. You worked with them during the offseason, during practice, and everything. You know what you have. You're still trying to figure things out. Uh, Maybe get so with the floor, get a little creative. I know that with Watson coming in and out, you kind of have like game plans with them. You get the sweeps that work with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe try Rod uh, Amari Rogers a little more in that spot. What's you're three and five. (laughs) <laughs> Get wild with it. Get crazy. Right. I agree. Right. Quit being so, I don't know, Safe. stubborn with your play calling. Safe, yeah. The rush, hey, sometimes it doesn't work. That's the game. You got to keep doing it. If you can build on it, you got two people who, one, you, you, he loves the team. He loves what he does. He goes out there, and he puts in the effort, Aaron Jones. A.J. Dylan. I don't know what happened uh, from – Past couple of years, but I they still when he gets going, that man's a freight train. You need two, three guys on him to bring him down. I get something to fire him up. Tell him, hey, we got someone hacking to hack into your uh, your gaming accounts, and you ain't getting it back unless you produce here. And then you know the wide receivers, Dobbs, he's showing that you hear constantly he's putting in the work yes he has little issues with catching every once in a while but that's going to be that's the game sometimes you got to work with what you have rogers has to stop keying in on a person you got to tell him hey what do you have to lose here you're already throwing more interceptions this year than you have the past three Um, Mm -hmm. hyperbole but uh you know, have fun with it. Find the love for the game. That's probably one of the big things is, like you guys said, a lot of these guys, older guys, they got money. And what happens when you give players money is you see a pretty decent drop-off. But you got these young guys and you got other teams that have the old guys on there and they're fired up. Uh, and obviously, you know, one thing to fix the team is fire Goody. Obviously, that's the best thing to do. He's doesn't know what he's doing out there.
1: <laughs> he rolled now, his eyes for everybody on the pot. He rolled his eyes. I went for the rest. I rolled
3: my eyes. I <laughs> if Goody done... would
0: stop giving up these big runs and dropping passes, I think they'd
3: <laughs> right. be Exactly. He's on the field, he's throwing it all away. Uh but <laughs> it's he does what he does. And he's done a good job getting everything going. Now it's time for the players to step up. It's time for the coaches to step up. And I believe they can. They, I don't know what. You have to get the fire in them. But there is stuff there. You have the talent. Torrey coming out there, making his adjustment for that touchdown. Hmm. And Rodgers, I, I believe I heard people saying on the sidelines that he said, see, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe trust the young guys a little bit. Rodgers, he gets so like whenever something goes wrong, he's just like arms in the air, like oh. But he is a top ten quarterback. He's playing the stats somehow. I I looked at it. The stats are in his favor a little bit, but he has to be like okay, hey, we're gonna try it again. They won't expect it because the moment that we the moment that something goes wrong. The Packers seem to fold their cards. It's like, okay, well, this drive's dead. We couldn't get any yards on the first down. There's two more downs. There's two more. You can do it. I believe in them. It's, And also, yeah, uh, with Roger's thumb right now, you know, coming in, taped up, I think that would have been a fine time to sit, rest it up, put in love, see what we can do. Yes. And you can same same save, thing with Elton's
0: with Elton's ankle
3: and knee. Yep. And you can save the whole ego thing of like we're not benching you because we don't think you're good. We're benching you because we want you. You know we're gonna have some training wheels for love here. And like I said earlier with my dad, me and him on the phone constantly. He's like, I'm not. I don't think love is it. I just don't think he's good. And I'm like, you've only seen him for six quarters essentially. Right. And right. he's like, well, yeah, but those six quarters, he. One pass away, one pass from beating the chiefs. Yeah. One pass away. And I don't think people give him enough credit for coming in because once again, the beginning of the year, Vikings came in wrecked. And then he comes in that last and he's getting things going. He's seen different things. He's trying to make it work. And like I said, it's, Maybe find you know Rogers drug dealer and take his ayahuasca away. <laughs> Tell him you ain't getting it back unless you do it. <laughs> I'd, I'd it'd be waiting. It'll be waiting on you in the back of the end zone and right back here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, listen, after every positive game that you get a win, we'll look the other way. And <laughs> but three and five. And what is uh, anyone know what the schedule looks like after the Lions? Because I was long, looking at it the other day. And there's, the there's a couple of tough same. games, but you got the Lions twice. They have heart. They're going out there. They're trying, and that counts for something. They will be a tough thing. I'm not going in tomorrow thinking it's going to be a cakewalk. But you got them twice. You got the Bears again. So you got, what, three wins right there, and then they play the Eagles and Cowboys, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And also – and also, uh, Cowboys—they're a bit of an iffy team at times. You can catch them on a bad day. I think that could be a potential trap game. And then I know we—the uh, Titans are coming up too, and I think that could be a potential win too. Because I don't know I know uh, JJ was following my little stream of consciousness yesterday, putting my thoughts on the teams mm-hmm. on Twitter, which I still need to get to and finish, but. The, I think the Titans—they're quietly a good team, but at the same time, they're quietly a good team. You're not seeing the big uh, splash plays that these other people are known for. I think that you get—you find out where the heart is of your team. You put it out there. You need some sort of rah-rah guy. Just figure out who that is. Get them fired up because energy—and I know this from my workplaces—when you get a person who is putting in the work and also like externally showing that it fills people up. You get like, heck yeah, I want to, I'll die for this guy right here. You're not getting a whole lot of that feeling with this team. And that's a mixture of the young guys, the old guys, you got to find some sort of connection there. And uh, to maybe, and my thoughts for maybe changing it in the future, maybe, you know, LaFleur isn't a head coach guy, but maybe keep him on for an offensive coordinator because he comes from that tree that was working. Maybe not so much now, but he knows how to work it. Maybe he's his—he's just spread so thin with the way that the defensive is not coming together, the defensive players and the coordinator. He doesn't necessarily strike me as a person who's tough. On people, right. you know, it's like, oh, we had a bad game. Here's a lollipop for you, for you. It's okay, and that could work for some people. Stop coddling them. Turn these guys who everyone thinks is soft, because you hear the press conferences of the other coaches come out and saying, "Hey, we punch them in the face, they fold." Yeah. Maybe crazy thought. Which, if anyone listens to you know, Packernet after dot that that after dark, that's all I'm full of. Put them in the octagon with someone. Toughen them up a little bit. <laughs> Tell yeah, them, hey. The
1: octagon out to the Don Hudson Center. I like it, dude. Now, you have yeah. you great points, man. You really do. Um, it, the thing for me, like you talked about, and we're going to wrap this up. We are way over time, um, but appreciate you guys hanging out with us and those of you listening on the pod. But, um, you know, you, you kind of lost the rah-rah guy in Hackett, right? You lost your passing, passing game coordinator in Getzey, and – you know, you, everything is – it's literally, you know, it's uh, – everything's been plucked from. You lost your number one receiver. You lost a ton of coaches. Um, Zadarius goes to the division rival. Like, I think some of that stuff we kind of forgot about, not to make excuses, but um, I'm excited to see how everything unfolds. And like we always say, we'll be right here as it does unfold, and we'll still be Packer fans. But I'm of the opinion – I'm just too too darn stubborn, man get it together sit a few people start a few that you you know that you that are showing signs of uh encouragement and, and people that that seem like they they want to get out there and play and what what Ryan was talking about I want to preface this when he was talking about the Monday off he's talking about the Stokes comment Eric Stokes basically said in the uh, after practice the other day that man he misses his victory Monday having Monday's off and it's like I, I know I read that and I was like dude what the crap like that's what, you, that's the message you want to send. I want to win a game so I can get an extra day off. Like what? What do yeah. we, anyway. And if they do win, if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm going, no, get your butts back in here tomorrow. Like we've got work to do. But anyway, um, I do want to say this as we wrap up one final stat, according to PFF. And I know it's a small sample size with Randall. He, well, actually 173 snaps. He graded out as a 79.9, the second best player on this roster this year. For all those people, though, that are saying, now you're seeing Devontae Adams made Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams in Vegas, 76.7. Randall Cobb is actually grading out better this year than Devontae Adams is. He's had 63 targets and only 38 receptions. So do with that what you will. I think it's the old story, J.J., is, you know, it's, it's not necessarily Belichick or Brady. It's Belichick and Brady. It's not necessarily Aaron Rodgers or DeVonte Adams, it's Aaron Rodgers and DeVonte Adams and it just sucks right. that uh, that it had to come to an end but bring us home here JJ any any final thoughts man Man,
0: you know, I <clears throat> I think there definitely when I was talking today, I I was hitting on a bunch of negatives and and downers, but there are a lot of things that you could be excited about from that Buffalo Bills game. Uh, There's a a lot of reason to believe that maybe the team is kind of finding their footing. You're hearing uh, throughout the the week, Aaron Rodgers has made a lot of comments talking about how they are building on some positives from that game, that they're practicing well, that the guys are showing more energy. Um, You're hearing from some of the other uh, leaders like Jair about how this team needs to just stack up some wins here and remember how to be a winning team. And I think that, I think that that's not just empty words. There is merit to these guys don't have any confidence in themselves or in their teammates. Um, you know, something we saw at the end of last season really seems to have carried over this week. And and I look at the Patriots game and and the Patriots are not a rollover and die team. They're, they're a decent team. Uh, they have their, their problems, but they are not bottom of the barrel bad. Um, and, you know, and and taking them to overtime in a really weird and clunky game. And the reason that the Packers won that game is because they believed they were going to win it. Yep. They believed in themselves. Um, they uh, felt like, you know, we still are the Green Bay Packers. I think that there is merit to the idea of just get a win by whatever means necessary against the Lions, even though – I think that a one or two or three point win over the lions is not something that really any team in the league should be proud of because the lions are that bad, but I don't think that there is zero value in that. I think the Packers could still take positives out of that uh, going forward and, and continue to build um, confidence themselves. So um, I, th- there, there is certainly hope for, uh, for the team to start, putting some better football out there and we know they have the horses to go toe-to-toe with anybody if they are playing to the best of their abilities and actually believing in themselves and lifting each other up and, and making teammates better uh this is is still a really good football roster so you know a big part of why you hear so much frustration from all of us is not that the team stinks it's that it's the reason that this team stinks. It's it's how fixable it is. It's how close success really is and how it's like from our vantage point, it feels like you're just not winning because you just don't want it enough. And that is part of what's so frustrating. So that is also a reason for optimism and encouragement is that it would be that easy to turn around if you decided to do it. And (laughs) sure you could get hot and go on and win the whole dang thing. It is absolutely possible with the guys that we have. Um, but some stuff has to change. But
3: yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um. So yeah, Real there we go. I I, I I am looking forward to this game though. Cool.
3: And also, not for nothing, you lost to the Bills. You can make an argument that they are the best team in football. You lost to the Bills yep. by ten. A field goal could have been lucky. A play could have went the opposite way. Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't there a touchdown that was called back? Yep. There's yep. like there's seemingly every single week. Yep. yep. That changes things up. And, if, you know, take that little motivation that you had at the end of the game and all that needs is that little spark, and you're good to go. You can take that and ride it. And I think that might be able to happen.
1: I know this, man. I'm going to have you on speed dial, Thomas, after every loss. The rest of the season, I'm calling you, and you're going to pep me up. We uh,
3: <laughs> give give me about give me about six hours after the loss.
1: <laughs> so as we wrap up the uh, Packers injury report going into the Lions game, we'll just read this, and then we're out. Um, looks like out of the game is going to be Devondre Campbell. They said that Quay Walker will have green dot duties. Uh, for those of you know that that doesn't mean he soiled his diaper. That means he's going to have the uh, the helmet with the uh, the headset in it. So he's going to be kind of calling the plays on defense. That's kind of cool. Shamar Jean Charles is also out. Questionable is David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, and Preston Smith. I personally believe that uh, Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins may be playing. That'll be cool to see them both back in the lineup again. But at the same time, man, not at the expense of of setting them back any further. I, th- I think Bach's about done. But, um, yeah, it just sucks. It sucks to see what he's gone through the last couple of years. And, and that's what's amazing about last year as we wrap up. I mean, the fact that pretty much the whole year, we didn't have our our you know all pro left tackle. It's just wild to me that we still made it as far as we did. But um, yeah, so I, I'm kind of leaning towards sit Alan Lazard and let these young receivers get some reps against the Lions and see what we got. Let's see if Samore, if that was just a flash in the pan or not. You know, you never know. So, with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Yeah, I can't thank you all enough for uh, for coming on here with me. We just wanted to kind of get a state of the Packers uh, address here and see where everybody was at. I think we covered all the bases, which is really, really cool. I know you guys definitely gave me a lot to think about. So, with that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in on the pod. appreciate you making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. Go
0: pack! Third down and to go. The leader.